ancient China is rocked by one of the strongest man-made explosions ever. Or was it alien-made? And then we travel to the rootin' tootin' Old West, where we meet Colonel York on a quest to find his missing brother. But instead, he finds a young woman with psychic abilities, today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. we got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're just going to slide right into this episode. We're going to get started. Let's go ahead, we're going to go back in time. We are headed back to the year... 1626, a long, long time ago. What is that, like 17th century? So anyways, it's May 26, 1626. We are lookouts, and we're in Tongzhou, China. So we're about 40 kilometers from Beijing. So in real distance, I think that's about like, I don't know, 50, 60 miles. But anyways, maybe less. The point is, is that we're guards. So we got on our little helmets, and they cover our nose, and then our our mouth is exposed. So we can get stabbed in the mouth, we can get stabbed in the eyes, but our nose is safe. We're standing there, we're up on this lookout tower, and I'm like, look out! And you're so tired of me telling that joke eight hours a day. You're like, dang it, Jason. You keep looking around, but after like the fifth time of me doing that, you're like, ah, it's not funny. It's not funny anymore. Anyways, we're up on the tower, and... We see 40 kilometers away. I can see 40 kilometers away. You probably can't. But anyways, we just see like this massive explosion. And I, I, as I'm saying, look out to you. For real this time, you go, I know, I know, I know. I saw it. I saw, I saw it now. My eyes aren't as good, but it took me longer to see it. And we're watching this. And then we see a mushroom cloud appear. From where the explosion was. Now, I don't honestly know if any human can see 40 kilometers. But these guys heard it. And then they felt it. Whoa, whoa the lookout tower shaking. So they saw it closer. Like, I don't think any human can see. Well, if it was a flat plane. Because I know like 2020 is like I could read something that's 20 yards away. But, or feet away. One of, one of the two. But... Like, if you're standing in one side of Kansas, and it's completely flat, and then on the other side of Kansas... Oh, wait, I forgot the earth curves. Never mind. Okay, so it doesn't work like that. Anyways, you you might see a mushroom cloud. The point is not whether or not... The paranormal story is, did they see a mushroom cloud or not? The story is this. Now we're going to go... This was happened in Beijing, China's current capital. I don't know what it was back then, but anyways... Beijing, big old city full of people, and inside it was the Wang Gong Chang Armory. Way, it's one word, but I can't say it all at once. So Wang Gong Chang Armory. And what they did here is they manufactured and stored weapons. Part of their weaponry, of course, was gunpowder, because they invented gunpowder. Now, normally you wouldn't want to have a massive stockpile of gunpowder and weapons inside your city walls, but... Back then, they had to because if they put it outside the city, it was more liable to get attacked by your enemies. Little people with swords poking it and the walls break open and they take all your stuff. So they go, we're going to put it inside this mass populated walled fortress so that no one will get in there. What the story is, everyone is kind of going about their day. People are pushing, you know, babies and like little strollers and eating apples and stuff like that. Babies are eating applesauce. And 
the little plume of smoke just kind of seems to appear inside the Wingong Armory. So it has a roof, obviously. It wasn't just exposed to the rain. Oh no, we need war and all of our gunpowder is wet. But they see a little bit of smoke come out of the roof and then the building just disintegrates. Like, if you were anywhere near this gunpowder place, you were liquefied almost instantly. Everything within two kilometers disappears. Basically, it goes to the Twilight Zone. It no longer exists. The explosion is so brutal. The explosion so big, 40 kilometers away, people were hearing it and feeling it and possibly, <laughs> possibly seeing it. But within a two-kilometer radius of this building, life and the universe ceases to exist. There was this 5,000-pound statue that was just kind of chilling by the, by the armory. It ended up across town. So that survived the blast, but it just rolled like an Indiana Jones ball. It probably didn't roll. It probably flew. That would be awesome if the statue was like a guy pointing up at the sky and it was kind of flying. It would give you a little bit of levity to see that statue like in a flying pose, flying through the sky as your skin was being ripped away from your body by the shockwave. 20 thousand people killed in the explosion very very densely packed city people biting that apple and as that shockwave's coming the apple gets blown out of their hand they're like oh this isn't gonna be good in other parts of the city people who are 2.5 kilometers away from the explosion well a lot of them died too okay so three kilometers away from the explosion they saw just body parts fall from the sky it was raining men body parts (laughs) so that's the part they leave out of the song. That was the original version. So anyways, they're like, ah, body parts are falling on people. I don't know if they were standing outside. I'm sure they went inside after the first arm hit the ground. But anyways, body parts are falling down. Some people survived the blast. <laughs> I thought this part was funny. <laughs> Some people survived the blast, but their clothes didn't. So imagine you're standing in the street. And you're about, let's say, two and a half kilometers away from this massive explosion. And you're watching the people in front of you just kind of disappear in a puff of smoke. Everything's going in slow motion. And they're getting closer and closer to you. And then you feel the shockwave get to you. And you're like, oh my god, please save me. I don't want to die. And then your clothes fall off. And you survive. Like, that's what happened. The blast was so strong, but still is kind of weak at this point. They're just blowing their clothes off. So now there's a bunch of naked people. Okay, now to be be fair, I don't think their clothes just blew off of them. And then they went home and ate soup. Like, they would have gotten massively, like, it would be like getting punched by a thousand Mike Tysons. So they they weren't running marathons after this. They probably weren't even walking after this. My point being is, if you had a choice between being disintegrated... Or simply having your clothes shredded off of your body, you would pick the clothes. Obviously, unless you like didn't like being nude in public. But anyways, so I thought that was funny. People's clothes got blown off again. They probably weren't weren't alive super long after that. Or if they were, they had bones of jelly. But anyways, and they people in town, people closer, definitely saw a mushroom cloud appear. So totally real event actually happened it's in chinese history and that's fairly recent like 1626 like that's when everyone was writing stuff down but people have always wondered what caused it now of course there's two camps one of them says it was a natural cause some people say it was a fire in the building which is suggested by the little plume of smoke and other people say no the little plume of smoke shows something was ignited but it doesn't show that was the cause 
So people go, yeah, the fire could have broken out. It's not like there's any witnesses that they can interview to it. Fire could have broken out. The other one, an odd one, is that it was a natural gas leak in the earth. Like it was built and the earth kind of cracked open. Some natural gas got out. The earth farted basically and blew the building to pieces. And since it was already so combustible with all the gunpowder, it made it even worse. He who smelt it dealt it indeed, Mother Earth. And then some people think it could have been like an airburst meteorite. That was just coming down and flattened the city. Again, maybe, but the little plume of smoke, if that detail's real, kind of leads that out. Then we that That's believable, though. Possible. And then people say, nuclear explosion, nuclear bomb went off, time travelers, and then aliens. Of course, aliens show up in every bizarre event. I don't know, like, what did the aliens do? Like, I would like to meet someone who goes, oh no, you hear about that obscure event in Chinese history, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that uh, building explosion? He's like, yeah, yeah, that was the one I was talking about out of all the obscure events, is aliens. And I I would obviously go, what? Why? And then he would explain. But here's a question. If it's aliens, did they sneak in and just like, why would an alien go into a, first off, why would an alien go into a building full of gunpowder to begin with? But why would the alien go in there and then just, like, light a match? Like, why doesn't he use, like, spaceship lasers and stuff? It just doesn't make sense. There's aliens everywhere. It's, it's a little annoying, honestly. But that is the story of the Wang Gong Chang explosion. 20,000 people dead. Countless shirts, trousers, and socks remain unaccounted for. Let's go ahead. And, I got a uh, Dead Rabbit recommends here that I've had for months. I remember right after I watched it, I go, oh, yeah, I got to recommend this movie. And here we are. Spooktacular October. I know I keep changing the name of the month. Haunted Halloween spooky stuff. Anyways, there's a really, really low budget. You can kind of see a pattern. I kind of like the low budget horror movies, the weirdo movies. There's a low budget movie. Probably has about four actors total in the movie. But that's like at the very beginning and the very end. The movie is basically one person. One ghost. It's called Interior. It's called Interior. So here's a quick plot review of the movie, because it's almost impossible to spoil. This movie's all about, the ending's dope, the ending's terrifying, but mostly about atmosphere and creepiness. There is a young couple, father, mother, and their young, like, eight, nine-year-old girl, right? And the nine-year-old girl is saying she's seen a ghost in the house, and the mom kind of gets some weird senses. Now, they're going on vacation for the weekend, and her friend, the mom's friend, is a paranormal, like, hobbyist investigator type guy. And she goes, hey, my daughter thinks this, like, look at these creepy pictures my daughter's drawn of, like, this boogeyman. Isn't that hilarious? House is kind of weird. And I know you're into ghosts. Would you mind house-sitting for us this weekend? And he's like, oh, yeah, totally. I'll set up video cameras and everything. So it's basically a found footage movie. It's almost like five shots in the whole movie. And I, my, I could be wrong on that, but it's mostly, it's so bizarre how much they can do with so little and how creepy the movie is. But the movie is the guy house sitting for the weekend. And it's one of those movies where it's a lot of stuff moving in the background, like him sitting on the couch, flipping through the television, and there's like a woman standing down the hallway. It's that kind of creepiness. But it doesn't stop there. It, it's actually very, very entertaining movie which I don't think a lot of people have seen because it's so low budget. But check it out. It's called Interior. And I'll include the links and the trailer in the show notes. And yeah, um, I have to make a correction too about another Dead Rabbit Recommends I did. Temporal from email sent me this email. 
I kept calling the movie Deep Down. It's actually, that sounds more like a porn movie. It's actually called Deep Dark. Deep Dark. So I'll include the links. Yeah, he's like, dude, I really had like struggled to find that movie. So thanks for that correction. Yeah, the first movie I recommended, if you've tried looking for it, is actually called Deep Dark, not Deep Down. It's not The Abyss. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to our last story here. So we're going out west. We are leaving China. They're like, won't you help us with our recovery? There's still so many people buried under rubble. And we're like, no, we're out. And so we quit our jobs as guards in China. And now we're going to go a couple hundred years into the future. The year is 1872. And we're going to hop on a freighter. Ding, 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 ding. It's like, you know, they ring the bells. They're going through the fog. We're leaving China. And then we're going to end up in Kansas. It's winter. Snow falling. There's a dude named George Lunker. And he has an eight-year-old daughter. Now, his wife recently passed away. And he goes, you know what? There's nothing left for us here in Independence, Kansas. Let's go to Iowa. Little girl's like, okay. I'm depressed. And he's like, yes, I'm depressed too. That's kind of the reason why we're leaving. They get their horses together. And they set off through the cold winter to Iowa. Now, you know, back then you go on a like a road trip or you go on a journey or you're just trying to leave town. It takes a while, obviously. And you get there where you're going, you write a letter back to your buddy. That takes a while, too. So if you happen to go missing, they're not going to really find you super quickly. It's spring 1873. There's a dude named Dr. William York, and he's buddies with George. So George left in the winter with his daughter. By the time spring rolls around, he's like, yeah, things are slow, but they're not that slow. I should have gotten a letter from him by now. He's sitting, he's like checking the mailbox every day. He's like, oh, checking the mailbox. So he goes, something must have happened. Now, again, it's not just a road trip. There's like Indians like shooting arrows at you. There's bandits and robbers the whole way. It's not like you're just hopping in your car and driving from Kansas to Iowa. You're hopping in a wagon, and people are shooting at you the entire time. So it's not just like, oh, maybe he just doesn't want to talk to me anymore. Maybe we're not as good as friends as I thought we were. It's, he may be dead, and I need to find out, because I like the dude, and I'm wondering, you know, if his daughter's okay. So he goes out. Now, uh, Dr. York is, like, traveling along, and he's stopping at homesteads, and he's like, hey, have you seen this guy? Have you seen... This old-timey photograph It took us 10 minutes to take. I don't, did they even have cameras back then? He's like, have you seen this guy? And it's just a drawing. And they're like, hmm. No, I haven't seen that guy. He goes to the next homestead. Have you seen this guy? He gets all the way to about Iowa and says, I'm not going to find him. Like, nobody has seen my buddy. I hope things have worked out for him, but I got to head home. Never makes it back home. Now, George Lochner had a buddy who was a doctor and had the funds to just basically like kind of go on a quest to find him. But not everybody has those people. Dr. York has his brothers. One of them is Kansas State Senator Alexander York. And his other brother is Colonel Ed York. A colonel because the Civil War just ended a few years ago. So you basically have, if you're going to go missing the better connected you are, the better off you are at being found or avenged. One of the brothers is a state senator. The other brother is a military officer. Colonel York says, we got to find my brother. He rounds up 50 soldiers and they just start riding the path they knew he was on. Stopping at every house, walking in, full uniform. Have you seen my brother? Where is he? 
and they're questioning him. They also have better drawn pictures, so they can be like, is this him? And they're like, that guy does look kind of familiar. He kept going down the road. They stop at every single homestead. Travelers who are walking by, they stop him. It's the military. Now, it wasn't an official military mission, but they're armed and in uniform. And it's not like the military is going to be like, no, you can't search for your brother. They're just like, whatever, it's Kansas. If you happen to kill a couple Indians along the way, We'll call it even. Shoot a couple bandits in the face. Whatever. So anyways, March 28th, 1873, they get to Osage Township, which was a, a town founded by these spiritualists. These five families got together. They're spiritualists. So you have a bunch of like kooky, hippie, old-timey hippie people in this town. Colonel York's like, great. This is going to be totally awesome. Did you guys catch my sarcasm? And they're like, yes, sir. So they're riding through the town. And... This town is basically one of the towns you have to pass through to get further west in the area. So they're like, he had to have come through this town, unless he was like off-roading it with his horse. So while they're in town, Colonel York is questioning people and stuff like that. And he sees this drop-dead gorgeous 24-year-old woman walking through the streets of Osage Township. And he's all, his eyes, bouncing out of his head. The horse's eyes, bouncing out of his head. Quite the looker, this woman was. And he hops off his horse. He's like, hey, madam, have you seen my brother? And she's like, let me see a picture of him. And he shows her the picture. And then she puts her hands to her temples. And she goes, mm, mm, using my psychic powers. And he's like, what? She's like, I'm psychic. It's a town of spiritualists, by the way. I am actually the town psychic. And you can stop by my little shack. It's actually more than a shack. It's an inn slash general store down the way. I can give you a full reading. But even without using my psychic powers, I can tell you that he's been in this town. And they're like, really? How do you know? And he goes, because he stayed at my inn. He stayed at my inn on his way further west. He did leave, but I think that I can actually help you find him using my psychic powers. Now, obviously, we're in this weird part of American history where it's post- People like inventing light bulbs and putting kites in the sky with keys. But people are still believing in all sorts of ghosts and spiritualism and stuff like that. Whether or not Colonel York actually believed in psychic powers at this point, who knows? But he does decide to go back to the inn to find out more information. Now, this inn is run by a family of four. They're known as the Benders. You had Ma Bender, Pa Bender, basically the Berenstain Bears. And then you had Kate Bender, who was the young, beautiful psychic. And then you had her idiot brother, John Bender Jr., who they said was a very good-looking man, but he would laugh at inopportune times. Basically, Joker. He, the, the mental disease that Joker suffered from in the movie, this guy had it. Or he was just an idiot. But around town, he was known as an idiot. The dad, John Bender Sr., Barely spoke any English at all, and when he did, he sounded like a bear eating marbles. Like, nobody knew what this guy was saying. Ma Bender didn't speak a lot of English either, but Kate Bender was this beautiful young woman. She would preach around town. She did healings for people. She concocted potions, and she advocated free love. So she was kind of a controversial character in town, but she was very magnetic. And people believed that she actually had these psychic powers. So people would come to her from around, not just in town, but from around the region, to go to the inn and get a reading from Kate Bender. So the the troop goes there, and she's like, listen, I can use my psychic powers to help find your brother. But you have to believe in them. 
Colonel York's like, that's a little difficult for me. As you can see, I'm a man of science, military science. So if it doesn't shoot, blow up, or disintegrate, I really don't pay attention to it. And so she really is like, no, no, I can, like, you can go into town and talk to people about my reputation. And he goes, you know what, I think I will. I think I'm going to go into town and find out a little more about this family. Good day, madame. Tips his hat. They all leave. The soldiers do. The benders stay at their place of business. Now, as Colonel York is walking away, getting on his horse, the other soldiers are like, hey, you believe that stuff about that psychic stuff? And Colonel York goes, well, I don't know about the psychic stuff, but I'm a little curious about that family. So they decide to stay in town for a couple days. And at one point, Colonel York's talking to somebody. A woman runs up to them and they go, oh my God. You won't believe it. You won't believe it. I was just at the Bender's house, and Ma Bender pulled a knife out and started chasing me around. And Colonel York's like, what? I go there. So they go, they knock on the door. They're like, hey, we got it. And there's a dispute, basically. We're the cops right now. We, we supersede the police. What's going on here? Ma Bender says, I was trying to drink this coffee, and this woman was putting, like, magical witch dust stuff in my coffee. She was trying to poison me, Colonel York. And Kate's like, listen, listen. We're spiritual people. Like, I know that might sound wacky to you, but we believe in that stuff. Now, I really can help you find your brother. But you need to leave all these people aside. Like, it just has to be us. Like, the psychic power doesn't work with 50 men standing around me with guns. Colonel York goes, okay, I will come back alone and we'll do this. Me and you. And she's like, ooh, is that a double entendre? He's like, I don't know, I don't speak French. He leaves. Now, this time when he's leaving, his men are like, they're guilty. They have something to do with your brother's disappearance. And Colonel York gets on his horse and he goes, yeah, I know they do. We just need to find some evidence. (laughs) He doesn't make the noise the horse does. They all ride off. Now, at this point... Now, at this point, he's almost certain that this family knows more than they're leading on. Due to psychic abilities, maybe. But he's starting to get some... uh, He's getting his own psychic feeling. Something's not right with this family. The town holds a giant town hall meeting. And everyone comes, including the male benders. And basically, it's decided at this meeting that this was the last stop. Not only for... Colonel York's brother, but for several other people. Because, see, other people had been found murdered in this area. Their heads were being bashed in and their throats were slit. And that had been going on for probably about four years. That had actually been going on before the benders even showed up, before the town was even established. There was a body found in a goalie with its head smashing with a hammer and its throat slit. But now people are saying, listen, we have these bodies that we found. They're all killed the same way. And we have a lot of people who may or may not pass through this area, but they never come back. So we need to search every single house in the area. Everyone is a suspect. And I, I know I didn't do it, but I will gladly let Colonel York and his men search my house. A couple days later, this guy's riding by the Bender estate. He sees the animals haven't been fed. I'm like, that's weird. Goes up, he's picking up grains, throwing it at chickens and stuff. He looks in the house... Completely empty. Great. He rides back to the town and he goes, hey, pretty sure the benders have left. Huge storm rolls in. 
they can't go verify whether or not the benders are actually at the house. Finally, the storm dissipates. Search party goes out to the house. It's completely empty. Colonel York's there with his men, and he's like, just let's tear the place apart. We gotta find something, right? This is what they find. They find a trap door that leads into a six-foot-deep giant pit that smells terrible. So it has like a stone floor. They begin smashing the floor up. They go, there has to be bodies under here. It just smells gross. No bodies. There was so much blood clotting the sand and the dirt and the walls. That's what the smell was. So they, they're like, we're on to something, obviously. This isn't just an accidental blood leak from the neighboring farm. These guys had something to do with it. They climb up out of the hole. They leave the rookie down there. They're like, dig your way out. They <laughs> shut it and lock it. They go, if I was a body, where would I be buried? And they see a bunch of, like, sand in the garden that looks freshly tilled, which would be a good place to hide a body because you're kind of always freshly tilling stuff. They go out there. They have these probes. They're basically just sticking these rods in. They're hitting stuff. They're like, that doesn't feel like a tomato. They start digging it up. First body they find is Colonel York's brother. They keep probing. They keep digging. They find 10 bodies in total buried in this garden. They find 10 bodies altogether. Nine of them hammered to the head. Throat slit. One of them, the eight-year-old girl, strangled or buried alive. They don't know. But she had no wounds to her body. And then they find just an assortment of body parts in this garden as well. So they start to think, okay, these guys, they're, these dudes are bashing with the hammer and their throat slit. They probably had something to do with those previous murders. But remember, one of them took place before the benders even got there, which has always been a mystery. But this is what they've pieced together. This is how this worked. Because two people survived this. They didn't come out of the dirt and be like, oh, what happened? Two people got away before they got murdered. What would happen was if you went to the inn and you were wealthy, they would say, you should sit at the king's seat. You should sit at the head of the table, my friend. You are our guest. And you'd be like, yeah, that's totally awesome. And you'd go sit in that chair. Now, the chair... It's an old-timey thing, so you didn't build walls everywhere. You had, like, the dining room, and then you had a curtain, and the head of the table would sit with their back to a curtain. Behind the curtain would be one of the male benders. And you'd be sitting there, you'd be eating your old-timey steak, you'd be eating some aspic, maybe? And then the curtain would rip open, and a hammer would just itch you right on the side of the head. And then one of the women, this is all what they suspect. One of the women then would get up and slit your throat open and let you bleed out. Maybe they threw you down into the trap door and then slit your throat open and let you bleed all over the basement floor. But they think that was kind of the division of labor. One guy said, I stayed at the house and I sat down and I noticed one of the males were kept hiding a hammer behind his back. And it made me really, really nervous. This isn't like a ball peen hammer. This is like a this is like a 19th century hammer. They're very like brutal, cruel hammers. They're not nice like a little one you can get at Home Depot. He kept seeing him hide the hammer behind his back. So he got up and left. He just thought it was really weird. And then not, and see, again, weird stuff happened all the time. There's all sorts of weirdos in the Old West. So. You just were like, that's weird. You didn't report it to the authorities. You just went home and ate soup at your house instead of at their house. Anyways, this other guy said, you know, it's funny. I was there too. I went there once. They wanted me to sit at the head of the table. So these people were kind of filling in the blanks. They wanted me to sit at the head of the table. And I didn't want to because they had this gross, smelly, blood-stained curtain. I'm not sitting next to that. So he was like, I don't want to sit there. And they're like, you have to sit there. You're the guest of honor. And he's like, the thing's covered in blood and it smells. I don't want to sit next to it. 
And then Ma Bender grabbed a knife and, and went to go get him, and she ran out. So I think that's how they were able to come up with their theories. And then he didn't report it. He just went home, ate soup. So all these bodies, a collection of body parts, nobody knows how many people these guys have killed. They're not even a family. After going through all the genealogical data they were able to come up with, they believe that the Ma, Ma Bender, and Kate Bender were the only ones who related. It was just basically a collection of serial killers. It was super bizarre. I think she married Pa Bender at some point, but the son was just some dude who showed up. Might have been Kate's husband. Nobody knows. Because these guys were never caught. There was a $60,000 in today money, $60,000 reward for the capture of these guys. And there have been various stories over the years of vigilantes cornering them in this state or that state and having shootouts and killing them. Stories that eventually Paw Bender died of some disease and they were able to match his photo against a bloated corpse's photo. So that was the end of that. The most spectacular one was that Kate Bender and Ma Bender were caught, I believe, in Illinois. And they were going to go to trial, and they denied that they were these people. And they're like, you are. Look at these photos. Look at the, They look exactly like you. And then the town they were being held in for the trial was like, this costs way too much money. Because you guys don't even know if these are the people. And it's costing us a lot of money to keep these guys prisoner, and they let them go. So maybe they were Ma Bender and Kate Bender. Maybe they weren't. Nobody knows. These people were never, ever caught. But if you think that their little scheme stopped, so what, because what they were doing was they were killing people, taking their money, and then selling the goods to other people in town. If you think this stuff would stop, you know, they're like, well, that didn't work out. Let's just leave. So after the vendors left and they were searching the house and everything like that, they found a Roman Catholic prayer book in the house. And it had notes written in German. And they translated these notes. Here's one of the notes that was in this book. John Gebhardt came to America on July 1st, 18, question mark, question mark. Then there was another note that said, Big Slaughter Day, Jan 8th, hell departed. So this wasn't a one-off scheme where they were like, hey, you know what we should do for extra money? Bash people's heads in. Ma Bender had been married, I think, five times before she ended up in this group of people. All of her previous husbands died of head injuries. True serial killers, and America's first serial killer family. Being a serial killer nowadays, I imagine, would be quite difficult. People still do it, but I imagine it would be quite difficult with all the evidence gathering and CCTV cameras and everything like that. But for serial killers to operate in old-timey West, where people just disappeared all the time, people died violently, and it was just considered, ah, that's what happens when you try to leave Kansas and go to Iowa. It is a risk that you will get an arrow in the neck. For serial killers to operate in an area like that would be far, far easier. you think the body count wouldn't be so high because there'd be less people in the population, but they racked up, within a year, they racked up 14 kills and a collection of body parts, and they have no idea where those came from. The old west of America was brutal. You had a hope in a new future. But it was very, very hard to get to that new future. You had to drive your horses through snow, through heat, through arrows, through gunfire. And then right when your destination is in sight, kind young woman claiming to be a psychic invites you in for the night. 
and offers you the seat of honor at the table. If their last victims weren't so well connected, this scheme would have gone on for much longer. And honestly, it probably did anyways. They probably reformed up or did it separately, truly earning the nickname they have today, the Bloody Benders. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.